and welcome to the Post Party Project. My name is Amy Heinrich and I am your host. Join me as we chat all things postpartum, celebrating the highs and supporting you through the lows. Everything pregnancy and birth is just such an exciting time, but often chats about postpartum experiences get missed or overlooked because everything's about the baby, which we are also totally here for. But I'm here to hear you and hold you, figuratively speaking, and to listen to your experience. Think of this podcast as your safe space to share, vent, cry, laugh, and know that you're not alone. Now, let's get into it. Hello, welcome back to the Post Party Project. Um, Sorry for the extremely sketchy voice I am running today. Um, I think the start of every episode is just me talking about what sickness Ivy has had, (laughs) what sickness Ivy currently has, and it seems I have caught the most recent sickness. So I will not speak for too long here, and this is not the voice I have throughout this episode. I recorded this lovely chat with Shannon a couple of weeks ago. So Shannon is a first-time mum to her baby, Winter. Shannon went into labour unexpectedly at 30 weeks gestation when her waters broke. She later found out she had an infection in her placenta. Winter then had a seven-week stay in the NICU, and Shannon speaks of the disconnect she felt immediately postpartum and the shock of going into labour. Shannon and Winter are now doing great, and Shannon's working to raise awareness on premature births. You can follow Shannon on Instagram at Mama and Winnie. If you're enjoying the post party project, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and to leave me a review on Apple iTunes if you have a spare minute. Anyway, let's get into today's episode. Um, I can't wait to hear your thoughts. Reach out to me if you have any thoughts and always reach out to me if you would love to share your postpartum story as well. Thanks, guys. Let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Shannon. It feels like we've tried to get this interview on the go a few times, so hopefully we can get it happening today. I'm excited to hear your story. Um, So thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Third time's the charm, I guess. So yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and who's in your family. Yeah, so my name's Shannon. Um, I'm 26 and I live in Melbourne with my fiancé, Brad. Uh, We've been together for eight years and we have an eight-month-old who lives with us, Winter, obviously lives with us. (laughs) She lives down the street. Um, (laughs) What uh, what do you do day to day? Are you currently working or you're a stay-at-home mum at the moment? I'm a beauty therapist, um, so I specialise in lash extensions and I have my own business. I currently work from my parents' house. Um, So I went back to work about six weeks ago and I've been really enjoying having a bit more work-life balance rather than being at home all the time. Oh, awesome. And then do your parents look after winter while you work? Um, They do, or my mother-in-law has her, one or the other. Oh, awesome. Yep. So good. Sorry, my coughs are back. Um, so, yeah, talk, talk us through your pregnancy and the lead up to birth. Did you have any complications throughout your pregnancy? I didn't have any complications. Um, I really enjoyed my pregnancy. I was one of those really lucky ones who I didn't really have much morning sickness. Um, the only bad thing I had was really bad heartburn. Um, I had to get medicated for that, but that was literally the only thing that was not enjoyable about it. Um, I loved all the movements and all of the scans and yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. It was low risk the whole time right up until the day she was born. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it was good. 
Awesome. And did you um, do much planning around how you wanted your birth to go? Not really. Um, so she was born 10 weeks early. So actually the day before she was born, I had an appointment and we were discussing how at our next appointment we talk about her birth plan. So I had not planned anything. The only thing I knew I wanted was an epidural. But other than that, I really didn't think much of it. Yeah. So did you just, were you kind of like quite open-minded um, at that point? Yeah, I remember when I went in and the nurse said, is there anything you want? I was like, I just want you to tell me what to do. Like, just, yeah, you call the shots. And she was like, you're the ideal patient. (laughs) Like, just tell me. Yeah, you're happy to follow their lead. (laughs) Yeah. So how did it all come about then, um, going into labour at 10 weeks, 10 weeks early, sorry? Um, So the day before I'd had an appointment because a few things had happened, like I'd lost my mucus plug, Um, I thought I'd had a minor leak and I just wasn't feeling 100%. So I saw the registrar. I'm not really sure exactly what a registrar is, but um, she said that everything looked good. She wasn't concerned. It was all normal. Um, So I left that appointment feeling really, really good. The only thing she said was she was sitting really low and she was on my bladder. So to expect that I might maybe wet myself at some point and I was like cool just the perks mm-hmm. of pregnancy um so the following morning it was Saturday the 4th of December I was at my parents house before work and their cat was really really cuddly and he normally doesn't like me so I thought it was strange he cried every time I put him down so I actually took a photo and sent it to my mom and looking back I looked like death. I was pale. I was gaunt. I was so unwell and how I didn't feel worse. I have no idea. Um, So I went to work as normal and at about two o'clock, I finished my last client. And when I stood up, I felt fluid just like run down my legs. I was like, oh my God, I've wet myself. Like she wasn't kidding. So I got the client out as quick as I could. And I borrowed. Did your client notice? (laughs) No, I hid behind the bed. (laughs) I actually asked her, I was like, did you ever pick up on that? And she's like, no, I thought you were a bit rude because you kicked me out quicker than usual. Um, Than usual. Sorry. (laughs) Normally I'll have a chat with them, but I was like, you've got to go. Um, So I borrowed some towels off the hairdressers and actually one of them said, do you think it's your water? Do you need to go to hospital? And I was like, no, I'm only 30 weeks. I've wet myself. This is super embarrassing. I just want to go home. Um, So I got home. I live like two minutes from the salon at the time. And I had soaked through three towels on my way home. And when I got home, I was covered in fluid. And Brad and I are like sniffing it. We're Googling. We're like, no, no, like your water can't break this early. And I had an appointment the day before. Um, so I had a shower and cleaned myself up and it seemed to stop. So I sat on the couch for a bit, but when I stood up, it gushed like poured all over our lounge room floor. So we rang the hospital and they were like, come on in. So we got there at about five o'clock and they confirmed it was my water. Um, but they were confused because I was already starting to get an infection. And if my water had only just broken, I think it normally takes like 48 hours. Um, but what we didn't know at the time is that when I thought I'd had a minor leak, which was like 10 days before, that was the beginning of it. So this infection had 10 days to brew and I had no idea about it, which makes sense as to why I was feeling so yuck. Um, So they said, basically, we're going to try and keep her in with antibiotics. We'll give you a steroid shot just in case she comes early. At this point, I wasn't contracting. I wasn't dilated. I actually felt fine. Um, I asked to go home. They said no. 
Um, they said that they were going to send me to another hospital because they didn't have a NICU and they didn't deliver before 34 weeks. But they were all kind of saying like, oh, we don't think she's going to come yet. We think you'll get another couple of weeks. So in my mind, I was prepared for like, we'll schedule a C-section. I didn't really know what to expect. Mm. Um, So the ambulance came at about, I think it was like 9.30 or maybe it was 10 uh, 10 o'clock. Um, it took about 45 minutes to get to the hospital. And in that ambulance trip, my contractions started and I asked the paramedics, like, can you time them? Am I in labor? And they kept saying, no, no, you're not in labor. And I don't know if that's to calm me down or if like they didn't really know. Um, but when we got there, the emergency nurse was like, oh my God, like your contractions are two minutes apart. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I'm just supposed to be going up onto the ward. She's like, no, 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 you're in labor. I was like, oh, okay, can Brad come in? At this point, I can still talk through my contractions. Like they were just, um, I had to sort of like hold on to something. Um, so they said, Brad can't come in until you're in the birth suite. So I was like, okay, like that's going to be hours, maybe not till tomorrow. Like is he just supposed to sit in the waiting room? So they took me through and they called the obstetrician in and he said that they got my blood work back and I had an infection called chorioamnionitis which is an infection of the placenta from my water breaking. And he said, basically, your body is rejecting the pregnancy. So he said, you're fortunate that she's 30 weeks, she's viable, like it's looking really good. Um, He said, hopefully we can sort of slow labor down. But he did a cervical check and I was seven centimeters in 45 minutes. And I was like, oh, my God. And he asked the nurse to go and get Brad. And um, I said, okay, can I have an epidural? And he's like, no, like. It's, they're too close together, like we're too far progressed. Um, but he's like, you'll be okay, you can do it. And I was like, I don't think so. Like that's the only thing on my birth plan that I <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So they took us across the hall and um, the room started to fill with different doctors and nurses and they were all introducing themselves and they said, look, like at the moment she's doing fine, like her heart rate's perfect. They were more worried about me because I was so sick. Um, but they said it's possible she may not be breathing when she comes out. She's little, her lungs aren't developed. So don't panic if you don't hear anything. We're going to whisk her off to the NICU um, and you can meet her a little bit later. So I was just like, okay, like just tell me what to do, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So not long after we got in there, I said to them, how do I know when I need to push? Because there's a lot of pressure. I'm in a lot of pain these contractions really hurt. And they were like, you'll know. And I was like, but what does that mean? Mm. Um, and then I grabbed the nurse and I was like, I need to push. <laughs> like, okay. Mm. She's like, that's fine. So while I was in labor, it all happened really, really fast. Um, she was born within an hour of me being there. So um, I started to feel a little bit funny and sort of more sick and everyone was Like they all looked a bit blurry and I sounded like I was underwater. And I said to one of the nurses, like, not to be funny, but I genuinely think I'm about to die. Like something really weird is happening. Mm -hmm. And she said, you're not going to die. And then she like yelled out to like shove a drip in my hands. And it all got really chaotic from there. So I was going into septic shock from the infection. Wow. So I remember I didn't want to look at Brad. Um, I let go of his hand and I kind of pushed him away because I was so afraid that I was going to die and he was going to have to watch that. Um, She was like, you're okay. You can do it. So I was like, okay. Um, So the obstetrician said, can you hold off just for a couple of minutes for a certain pediatrician or something? And I was like, no, 
like she's coming. I don't think I even have to push. So I think I pushed twice and then um, she was crowning and they asked if I wanted to touch it. And I was like, okay, I want my Kourtney Kardashian moment. Um, and it was the most disgusting thing. That I've um, Why was what made it disgusting? What made it, it was disgusting? so slimy and like not at what I was expecting. Um, and they were trying to joke with me. They were like, she's got red hair. And I was like, why? Like, we don't have red hair. I'm so confused. Um, but I kept cracking jokes. So they were kind of cracking jokes with me, which was really good. It made me way less nervous. Um, and it wasn't enough time to think about like what was actually happening. So she came out, I think two pushes later, it was only about eight minutes and she shot out with so much force. They didn't catch her in time. Um, but thankfully she, she landed on the bed and, oh, she was, good. <laughs> um, but she started screaming straight away and I was oh. like, oh, okay, cool. Like I can relax now. And the pain instantly went away. Like I felt so much better. Um, they delayed cord clamping for one minute and I couldn't see her, but Brad kept saying, well, she's really pretty. Like, I can't wait for you to see her. And like three hours ago, he's sitting on the couch playing video games. He's not expecting any of this. He was so calm and so good. And, um, they took her over to work on her cause she needed a little bit of help breathing at that point. Um, and they brought her back for me to hold just for a photo. So I didn't really get to see her properly. Um, I kind of saw her face, but she was all wrapped up. And then they took her away and they went up to the NICU and Brad went with them while they cleaned me up. So, yeah, yeah. it was pretty crazy. Oh, my God. I just I just can't believe your story still. And so then what happened to you next? Like, yeah, what, what happened with you? <laughs> Um, so I got cleaned up. I was really lucky because she was so small, I guess. I didn't tear. She was only 1.6 kilos. Um, but for a 30-weeker, that's a really good size. So they said she's going to be great. She's probably not going to need much help. Um, so they took her to the NICU. And I think I got to go and see her maybe like three hours later. Um, but due to restrictions, because COVID was still really bad at the time, Um there was only one parent allowed in the NICU at a time. So Brad had just spent a few hours with her and then we swapped and he went home. Mm-hmm. And that kind of sucked to have to meet her by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a nurse sitting next to her and I kind of couldn't get to like, I didn't enjoy it anyway, I guess, because I was so scared, but I couldn't really take it all in because she was talking to me and asking me a million questions. And there were three other babies around her and They were all really sick. It was really intimidating. Mm. Um, So I got to put my hand on her back. I wasn't really allowed to like stroke her or anything like that. And I think I only stayed for maybe an hour. Mm. Um, And then I went up and I had some sleep and I went back down in the morning. Um, So I stayed in the hospital for one more night after that because of my infection. And then I got discharged on, I think it was the Tuesday. So she was born really early Sunday morning and I went home on Tuesday yeah. Um, without her, which kind of sucked. Yeah, that's horrible. Did you, um, with your infection, so what What kind of happened with that? Was it as soon as, like, the placenta and everything came out, your body was okay just to, like, reboot itself or, like, what did they do to manage that? Um, in labour, they triple loaded me with different antibiotics um, and they continued that after giving birth. So that's why I stayed in hospital for that extra night. Um, So I just had antibiotics through the drip. And then when I came home, I had another, I think it was like 10 days worth of really strong antibiotics, Mm. but everything resolved itself after that. Oh, that's good. And did they have, did they say to you why you may have gone into labor at 30 weeks? 
Um, I only found out recently I had my birth debrief with the hospital. Um, so they think I have an incompetent cervix. So basically the muscle is really weak and it would normally not start to shorten until closer to labor. Um, but sometime after 20 weeks, it started to do that and basically exposed the amniotic sac. And that's why it broke. Oh, wow. So if you go on to have any more pregnancies, is that something that they will monitor early on or something they can help with? Yeah. So they can give you, I think it's progesterone um, and you can get a cervical stitch to try and keep them in a bit longer. So they kind of said like, they can't tell me what's going to happen. In some cases, women go full term once they've had that cervical stitch. In some cases, they only get to the same gestation they did last time. So we're not too sure, but knowing and having a bit more awareness now would make that a little bit easier. Yeah, right. And is it something that can be picked up if you've never had it before? So say if someone's pregnant right now, is there a way for them to know? Was in your case, was it just completely like random? Um, they checked at my 20 week scan, the length of my cervix, um, but they didn't check after that, but then you don't really have another scan mm. after that anyway. Mm. Um, that's the only way it can really be picked up on. So there was no indication prior to that, that I would have an incompetent cervix. I'd had scans, I'd had ultrasounds, like there was nothing. So I think it's unfortunately just kind of luck of the draw. Yeah. How did you feel at home, um, being at home without winter? Um, it was a really bizarre time. I hadn't processed it. So in some ways I was so sad and I was like, I don't have my baby at home with me and I'm just like plodding along. I would go out for a coffee with a friend and I felt like I was doing the wrong thing. Um, and then on the other hand, I didn't feel like a parent and it kind of felt like none of that had even happened. So it was really bizarre um towards the end like she was in hospital for seven weeks so towards the end of that I started to get super excited and actually start to feel like a mum. and once we got our room set up because we didn't even have a car seat or like mm -hmm. a pram or anything so once we started doing that that felt a lot more normal but prior to that it was just a really bizarre time and a lot of it is a blur I think yeah it sounds like yeah like I feel like personally I would going to shock like it feels like yeah. did you yeah experience that oh uh, yeah the like right after she was born one of the midwives was like you know you just had a baby right I was like obviously but I don't think it had kind of clicked um even when they said she's coming I was like when like next week like it really wasn't sinking in um and when I went home a lot of people say they feel really sad like as soon as they walk out of the door and go to their car but I didn't really feel that. It kind of hit when I got home. Um, so Brad had cleaned the house, but he hadn't cleaned the ensuite and my clothes that were soaked in amniotic fluid were sitting on the floor. And that kind of like hit me in the face when I walked in and I was like, oh my God, like that actually just happened. I was at work a couple of days ago and now I'm here with a child. And I think after I had a shower and like saw that she wasn't in my belly anymore, that was a little bit sad. And that's when it started to wear off a bit. Um, but prior to that, I was just kind of, I was excited that I'd had a baby and then I was sad that I didn't get to even hold her until she was three days old. It was just such a mixed bag of emotion. It was really bizarre. Were you offered any, um, like, any counselling or psychological help or anything? 
No, which I'm really disappointed about. Um, they did say that someone, like a caseworker, would come around to us, but she was in three different hospitals over that seven weeks, and I don't know if we just slipped through the cracks. Um, I also thought that I was fine and didn't need help because I'm silly, but um, it was my maternal health nurse that picked it up and was like, oh, I actually think you should talk to somebody, but um, I actually still haven't gotten around to it, which is terrible, but there's such a backlog in the system at the moment that trying to get an appointment is really hard. So I still don't feel like I've had the counselling that I probably need. Um, but through the community of like other NICU parents, I feel like I've learned a lot and processed a lot. Yeah, yeah, that's so hard. Was there anything in particular that she um, picked up on in your situation? Um, she noticed that I was just very like, I kept nodding my head and I was just like, I was mentally taking notes of everything she said. And she's like, you're so highly strung and so stressed out. I think she'd only been home for maybe a week or something at the time. Um, and I was scared of her. I was so afraid of my child mm. and I didn't hold her. I took my mother-in-law with me to the appointment and I handed her to her and I just didn't really interact with her. And I think that's when she's like, okay, there's something going on here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so how did winter go in the NICU? She, you said she was there for around seven weeks. So do they keep them as long as they can to their original birth date? They originally tell you to expect them to be there until their due date, um, but it depends on if they have any other complications. Um, so she was born at an amazing size for her gestation. She only needed CPAP for, I think, a week, um, and then she got transferred out of the NICU to our local special care nursery, which was way better. We were allowed to go in there together. Um, so she was two weeks old by the time we saw her together, which was insane. Um she did really well in there and it was mostly just feeding and growing. Um, but then when she was, I think she was three weeks old, she developed an infection in her stomach um, and that was really horrible. It was Christmas Eve and they rang us and they were like, you better come in as soon as possible. We think she needs surgery. Um, and she got transferred to another hospital um, and that was really hard. The doctor was like, basically, we'll monitor her overnight. We don't even know if she's going to make it. She's really, really sick. Mm -hmm. um, so it's called necrotizing enterocolitis, and it's basically where the intestinal tissue starts to die. It's really, really common in premies, um, and nothing really causes it. Um, but she pulled through. She was there for six days on antibiotics. She never needed surgery and she got to come back to our local hospital. Oh. And then after that, it was just getting her established on suck feeds. So basically feeding from a bottle instead of her tube. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so, oh yeah. I can't even imagine what you've been through, especially having that on Christmas Eve. Yeah, it was really hard. We spent Christmas day in the hospital and it just didn't feel like Christmas. Like we didn't get each other anything we had Christmas morning with our family and then we like zipped up to the hospital and we stayed there the rest of the day. And um, it kind of feels like her first Christmas was a write-off. So we're really excited for this Christmas. Yeah, definitely. How did you start to like establish more of a bond with her? Like you mentioned before, you would just hand her off kind of thing. How did you kind of work through that? It took a really long time. Um, and it's something that I was really ashamed about at the time. Um, I was so scared that she was going to die. Um, I was afraid of SIDS. I was afraid that, I don't know, she would drink the wrong milk like, and die. I was so sleep deprived. I was scared of dropping her down the stairs. I was afraid of all of these ridiculous situations that would never happen. 
Um, so I didn't want to hold her. I didn't want to touch her. I wanted it. If it was going to happen, I didn't want it to be my fault. Um, so I found it really hard to establish that connection. And to be honest, it probably wasn't until she was like four or five months old that it came. Um, prior to that, I was happy to palm her off to somebody else. If someone wanted to come over, I was like, yes, please. Like, mm-hmm. I'll go shower. I'll do the dishes. Um but it just kind of eventually came over time. Once she started smiling and laughing and um, all of that, she ended up having a hospital stay when she was six months old. Um, she got bronchiolitis and she was in just for two nights and I was in there with her the whole time. And I think we really bonded in that time. Um, I didn't want anyone to take her from me. I was like, no, nope, she's mine. And I think after that, now she's my little best friend and I can't imagine life without her. Yeah. So I think it was just a time thing. Yeah, definitely. How um how did your partner go watching you kind of go through all of this? Did he struggle as well or how did he say much about it? He did struggle. Um he felt the same. We were petrified that something was going to happen to her. Um we had a lot of trauma from the NICU uh when she was only a week old in particular. Um the little boy opposite her when I held her for the first time, his family had to say goodbye to him. Um, And when Brad held her for the first time, the baby next to him, they called a code blue on and started working on him. So in our head, little babies get sick and bad things happen to them. Um, So he was just as scared as I was. If his mum came over, he was like, you take her. We kind of went through it together, which was good in the sense that we could really be open and talk about it. Um, But then we just felt like we weren't very good parents because we couldn't have this connection with her that we were supposed to have. Mm. Yeah, that's so heartbreaking having to watch that and all all the other mums. I guess you probably grow a really strong connection. Did you meet any of them and remain in contact with anyone? Um, in the NICU, we weren't really, like when we went to the special care nursery, we weren't very close to anyone. We were all sort of spaced out. Mm-hmm. Um, so like we'd say hello and like wave at each other. And I've seen a couple of them at the shop since and we'll wave at one another. But um, most of the people I've met, is actually through online communities. Um, There's a page called Miracle Mama. She donates milestone cards to the hospitals, which is how I found out about her. And she is just incredible. She has two premies. And, yeah, I met so many people just through her, speaking to her, um, lots of other 30-weekers as well, which is really cool. And they're a little bit older than winter. So to see, like, what she's going to start to do soon has been really cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So how did you feel kind of when you got home with winter and you settled in? Um, Once she came home, the sleep deprivation was really, really hard and not something that I was prepared for. Um, But once we we became settled and kind of had a little bit more of a routine, um, it sort of just felt like Groundhog Day and was a little bit boring. And I was like, oh, this is what, like, being a mum is like or stay-at-home mum anyway, like every day is kind of the same. Um, I didn't really take her out too much. I was just so scared of her getting sick. But we'd invite friends over and stuff. And I think my days, honestly, like I don't remember a lot of it. It's all such a blur up until maybe like two months ago. Mm -hmm. Um, But I remember once I started feeling better, I started to enjoy it a little bit more and I looked forward to putting her in our bed in the morning and giving her a cuddle before we come downstairs and, yeah. Yeah. Did you have much of a support network um, throughout her stay in NICU and then when you got home? 
We had heaps. We were really, really fortunate to be so close with our families. Um, it was really hard that our parents didn't get to meet her in the hospital. They met her when she came home. Um, but every day, like, we'd FaceTime them while we were in the hospital or we'd be on the phone to them. Um, they'd make meals and leave them at our house or just take us out for a coffee or something like that. So we were so grateful to have them. Mm. Did you get around to doing kind of like, did you know really what to expect postpartum or was there things that kind of popped up that um, you didn't expect? Um, I definitely didn't expect the anxiety that came with it. And I don't know if that's from having a premie or if that I would experience if I had a full-term birth. Um, That was something that was really hard. But other than that, my sister-in-law had she has two kids. One of them's almost two years older than Winter and the other one is three and a half months older than her. So I think like seeing her go through everything, I sort of had a pretty good idea of what to expect. Mm, yeah. How are you going with Winter's sleep and everything now? I saw you do a little post before. Like It looks like she's doing well. <laughs> um, I hired a sleep consultant um, because her sleep is improving now, but it's been a bit rough. Um, she still needs a lot of hands-on help to get to sleep. We have a few bad sleep habits, which are definitely my fault, but um, I just really like rocking her to sleep. So we're trying to step away from that, get her to sleep a little bit longer at night, have naps in her cot during the day. And yesterday she had two two-hour naps in the cot, and mm-hmm. that was amazing. That's never mm-hmm. happened before. So it's getting better. Yeah. Oh, was there any, like, reason that she um, was, like, a bit tricky with sleep? Was is other, Yeah, is there anything to do with that being premie or... Um, she does have a couple of things like she's allergic to cow's milk protein um, and that's in pretty much all formulas. Um, I think there's like two that don't have it. So until we figured that out, that was a big part of our problem. She was restless. She was really colicky and uncomfortable. Um, but once we got that under control, she got sick and then she got better and then she got sick again. And it just kind of felt like we kept going backwards with her she'd get really good and then we'd go through a regression so I don't think it's much to do with being a premier I think it's just she has serious FOMO and Mm. doesn't want to miss out on anything (laughs) yeah I forgot to ask you how did you decide to feed her um I originally wanted to breastfeed but I hadn't done any research I hadn't bought a pump nothing like that Um, so I think it was like eight hours after she was born a midwife came around and started expressing colostrum um but no one explained like how often to do it or like how to do it. I sort of didn't really know what was going on. And by the time I went home, um, I'd hired a pump from the hospital. So it was like hospital grade. It was all really good. And I really, really struggled with my supply. Um, I tried like the lactation cookies and the teas and I was eating good and drinking water and doing everything they tell you to, like watching videos of her cry, like all that sort of stuff. But the milk just never really seemed to come. And she was being mixed fed in the hospital anyway. And I felt like the pressure that was on me to like go and visit her every single day, pump, like keep the household running and all that sort of stuff. It just really started to get to me. So when she was about four weeks old and in the hospital, she was on gut rest. So she wasn't allowed to eat anything for the week. Um, I made the decision to stop pumping. But uh, I currently have like a liter in the freezer that I can't use because <laughs> she's allergic to cow's milk yeah. and I was having dairy oh. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. sitting there. Yeah, so that's, um, yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. You said um, gut rest. Is that something that they do when they're in the NICU? 
Um, only when she had the infection, just to kind of let the bowel heal itself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How how is she going now with all of her milestones and everything? She's doing really good. Um, we actually saw the pediatrician this morning, and she's finally on the chart for her actual age. Um, so there's two different ages when you have a premier. They have an actual age and an adjusted age. So actual age is like she was born eight months ago, um, but her adjusted age is how old she would be if she was born on her due date. And that's where you go from their milestones. So we don't expect her to do anything until she's at that adjusted age. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's doing really, really good. She's just hit the chart with her weight. Um, she's starting solids and stuff now, which has been a lot of fun. Um, she's still not quite sitting on her own completely yet. She's not really rolling very much, but she's doing really, really well. She's kind of beating to her own drum. Yeah, that's so good. So how do you, when, when do they kind of stop going off the two ages? Um, I think when they're about two and then after that, it's more like looking at the social aspect, um, in case they struggle in that area. But before that, um, it's just all of their development. But yeah, I think you said about two. Yeah. Is there anything extra that you've had to do with her being a premie? Um, She's seen a chiropractor a few times. She had a dislocated shoulder and her neck was out of place because she was born so quick. Um, So I don't really know if that's premie related, but my niece is a premie too and she had the exact same thing, so it could be. Um, She's just had more appointments like with the paediatrician, with the doctor's getting things checked out. Um, She does need another hearing test because she was on antibiotics for the first like four weeks of her life that can affect their hearing. Um, But other than that, yeah, not too much extra stuff. Yeah. Was there anything in particular that came up for you um, that you didn't expect? Um, Not that I can think of. I think all of it like afterwards, actually, yeah, I guess so. Um, (laughs) When it comes to like being in the Premi community and I guess sharing our story, it was Birth Trauma Awareness Week last week, I think, or the week before, um, and that brought back a lot of memories. Um, and I found it hard to share my birth story, not because like it's hard for me mentally. I love talking about it because to me I had such a beautiful birth. I loved everyone that was around and stuff. It was everything afterwards. Um, but people sometimes don't want to hear it because they think it's a negative story and they only want to hear the positives. So I think being able to feel all of those feelings and being okay with it, I've really struggled with. Um, So like I'm grieving the end of my pregnancy. Half of my family and friends never got to see me pregnant. I didn't get to pack my hospital bag. I didn't get a baby shower. I didn't get to finish work and go on maternity leave. Um, But also like I'm so happy that she's alive and that she's healthy and happy. And I think that those two things can coexist. So that's just what I've been trying to tell myself and do lots of research on and spread awareness and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's so hard. Um, What have you found um, most rewarding? Oh, my gosh. Every time she learns something new, she is so cute when she, like, laughs and smiles. Um, She's just figured out how to pat the cat. And how to yell at him and get his attention, which is so cute. I think just seeing her grow and see from how little um, and how much she's struggled to how she is now has been incredible. Yeah. And so um, what are some good resources that you have found um, through having a premier? Like, and, and how did you find them, I guess? How did you know, like, what to do and when did you start reaching out to that support network? 
Um, I wish I had have known when we were going through the NICU. I didn't find any of it until afterwards. Um, That Miracle Mama is a massive one. She donated stuff to the hospital. So for Christmas, we got like a gift bag um, and her stuff was in that. Um, But otherwise, Panda is a really good one. They specialize in like postpartum mental health. They're fantastic. There's a website called Miracle Babies. Um, I think there's Walk for Prems are really good. Um, There's a lot of resources if you just Google it, like there's heaps of them. Um, There's one really local to me that like knit little beanies and stuff for the preemie babies. Um, So, yeah, I kind of just came home and I think I stumbled upon this Miracle Mama and just from there onwards it all kind of showed itself. Yeah, yeah. Um, If you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Um, I think just take every day as it comes and don't beat myself up too much. Um, I wish I knew more about premies beforehand. I didn't know anyone who had a premie, but I don't know, just, yeah, be gentle on myself. And same for Brad. He says the same thing all the time. He's like, mm. I wish that I was just kinder to myself. And we were just in such a weird headspace that looking back now, we're like, okay, we actually did really good, but we should have just taken a breath and slowed down. Yeah. Have you found, is that common with people who have premies, like unexpectedly? I think so. From other people that I've spoken to, um, you're just in a state of survival. You're in fight or flight and you're not really thinking properly or clearly. So I think it's pretty normal. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that we haven't touched on today that you want to cover? Um, I don't think so. Um, no. I think that's it. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Shannon. Um, and you have a great Instagram account as well. Like how can people find you if they want to um, find you on Instagram or reach out to you at all? Um, so on Instagram, my page is called Mama and Winnie. Um, and I actually started it while I was still in the hospital with her just to share her progress. And that has kind of extended into raising awareness on premies. Um, but I'm on that page all the time. So you can just send me a DM and I'll respond pretty quickly. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today and sharing your story. I feel like it's going to be so helpful and it's so important for everyone to hear. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you feel that it resonated with you or if anyone came to mind when you were listening, I'd be so grateful if you could share it on with them. Um, If you want to get in contact with me, you can reach out. I'm over on Instagram at The Post Party Project or you can send me an email, thepostpartyproject at gmail.com if you want to share your story. Thank you.